word on this computer. And see, it says recording. So we're there good. we go. Now we know. Nailed it. I can tell you, we've never done an entire webinar and forgotten to record it before. Oh, gosh. That didn't happen. That was heartbreaking. Oh my God. And it just so happened to be like our best take on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and we had all also promised a bunch of people that we would just send it to them in the email. And so we had to like re-record it. Yeah, we just we just did another one that wasn't live. That was back in your bedroom, yes. right? Yeah, we just, just recorded it back in the bedroom. We're like, okay, yep. we'll send that instead. So that's not happening here because it says recording. Yeah, we got it. Okay, what episode are we on? Is it 12? 13? I think it's 13. We're Cara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about women and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push, push it. it. Hello and welcome to the Push Podcast. This is Jill. And I'm Kara. We've never done that before. That was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Look into my eyes and say that again. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> this is season one, episode 13. It is December 31st of 2020. So we are waving goodbye to 2020 yes totally got it together as you can tell yes good riddance <laughs> dear lord um so um depending on what kind of stuff you have in your social media feed you probably have seen a lot of stuff lately about like you know what did you accomplish in 2020 and like what did you do with all your extra time and you know stuff like that and um, I just want to, A, give a big eye roll to that. Yes. And B, just say, you know what? If you made it to the end of this year, then congratulations. Yep. Because this has been a hard year. Mm-hmm. And even for like the most steady of us, living through a global pandemic and a social justice uprising and a great depression all at the same time is really stressful. Yes. And, you know, a lot of us have worried about our jobs and our income and our health and whether we're doing the right things and raising our kids right. And there's so many things Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you didn't lose 20 pounds or get in shape or learn how to bake sourdough or whatever, like, I don't care. Yes. If you did learn how to bake sourdough, 
You can um, send some to us. <laughs> reach out to us, 503-383-1043. Give us a little text to text and we'll come pick that up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I there there is such a thing as toxic positivity. And, you know, I, I totally get like wanting to like think about what we've learned throughout this past year, because I think we all have. Like, I think that we've all learned some some level of resilience and um, flexibility and like kind of letting go of the things that aren't as important as we used to think they were like all of that is is good like I I understand that there are nuggets throughout this past year mm-hmm. where we have all learned something about ourselves and our loved ones and have there's been some good to come out of it but that doesn't mm-hmm. That doesn't negate the fact that it's been one heck of a year, really, really hard. And there is no like, there's no, at least for us, there's no medal for like making it through 2020 with all these new life skills and the and a rock hard abs. Right. <laughs> like, That's right. We want the bread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have sourdough abs. Yep. That's okay. Yep. Um, so yeah, so what is speaking of? Yes on a more positive note, like what is something that you have learned from this year? Cause it's, 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 it probably would be almost impossible to go through something like this without realizing something about your life or yourself. Right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, not just the quarantine life, <laughs> but in terms of the, um, the social justice uprising and, and all of the involvement and vocalization that we've seen happen, which is really, really great. Like uh, that is awesome, but it's really, um, and this this presidential election this year too, it's really brought to light like where people stand. Yeah. And that has been both joyous and painful because yeah. there are a lot of people um, in my life who I've been close to who are even family that have some very different views than I do. And it's not just disagreeing on like, you know, what's the best color of the rainbow. It's like, is racism real? Like, right. (laughs) And that's like, that's something that I can't compromise on. And so um, I've had to really set some pretty hard boundaries with people in my life. And that has been fantastic practice for me because my whole life, I've always been like the people pleaser and the peacekeeper. And so like, you know, standing up for what I believe in and for myself has been difficult, but it's also led to like a little, like just more peaceful living on my part to be my more authentic self. So yeah, that's been hard, but it's also been, been good. Yeah. It has been like, as someone who's sort of been so close to you as you've gone through this, it has been like, I feel, I feel sort of honored to have watched you go through that transition as someone who loves you very much. Oh, <laughs> don't make me cry. I know. <laughs> we might cry a little. Yeah. A, um, for me, I think that the lesson that I learned was to slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about how, you know, what's happening with the economy and, um, you, we have this economy now where we have these billionaires who keep getting richer and richer while people are, you know, stealing baby food. Right. 
um, you really start to think about capitalism in a different way. Mm -hmm. And as a business owner, it makes you sort of re-examine why we do certain things. Like, Mm -hmm. and I am a pusher, like, um, for basically our whole business relationship, I've always been the one like, what's next? How do we get it bigger? What do we do now? How do we make more, more money? What, you know, how, like just, I've been, I, I grind. Mm -hmm. And when this happened, we just couldn't grind. Right. We, we lost our, our location Mm -hmm. really early on, which was a huge blow to me personally because I thought that that was like the dream situation for us. Um, and I really struggled with that. And, and it sort of forced me to sort of shut down and examine a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working on it, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm trying to find a balance because obviously as a business owner, you do need to make money. You do need to sell, pro- you know, your services or right. products or, um, but there also needs to be rest and authenticity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it really kind of put up a mirror for me, um, which is something that I'm really grateful for. Yeah. And I could say the same thing for you, like being close to you throughout this, this last year and watching you, like you, you exude so much more. I'm going to cry. <laughs> you exude so much more peace now than I've ever seen and it's just, you just seem so, you just seem happier. Like, yeah. and I know, I know that's like, it's not like everything is, is sunshine and rainbows, but like mm-hmm. the way that you've sort of given yourself over to this process has been an amazing transformation. Like you just, you seem so much more peaceful and going with the flow and not, not having to, to push and grind every single second has really paid off for you. Yeah. From my perspective. (laughs) And it's not like, it's like, I'm done. I did it. I'm done. Like there's still, there's still moments where I'm like, Oh God, am I doing enough or what? But for the most part, I, I do feel more at peace and to kind of just have let it go. And like really early in the pandemic, like as we were losing the space, one of like uh, someone that we worked really closely with, kind of sat me down and said, what if you just let it be small for now mm-hmm. and just let it be. And it was one of the, like the greatest pieces of advice that I got. And it just kind of ran through my head constantly. Like, what if I could just let it be small mm-hmm. and could I be happy with it? And so there have been times during this whole shutdown um, where I have been able to find joy that I have not experienced before because I just let myself slow down and let it be mm-hmm. so um yeah and and it's that you know it that's in no way to me is that a failure like it just it I, honestly like I feel like because of this um shutdown and giving yourself over to the process like you and I both doing that I it, we've grown actually like mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a smaller space but we have um, more, more clientele and more, um, more folks paying for higher priced services. So mm-hmm. I think that that piece really comes through because, you know, throughout this whole thing, like you and I have, have offered a place for people to have some consistency. And mm-hmm. I think that that has come through. And so I, I feel like in many ways, 
the slowing down has actually led us to speed up a little bit. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. so, yeah. So there has been, there have been some good things that came out of, out of all of this and some learning. Um, so as we kind of go into the new year, it will like, I don't expect things to suddenly be different when tomorrow comes. Right. <laughs> but, that would be a huge like <laughs> pranked or punked. That's what it was. Yeah. A huge punked by Ashton Kutcher. Right. <laughs> Everything was normal tomorrow. Right. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. Right. What is he doing now? <laughs> what is he doing? But anyway, yeah, that's that's a good point. Like there there's gonna be more ups and downs for sure. But it is there is so there is some positive outlooks of this but all that to say this year has totally sucked mm-hmm. like yeah <laughs> really sucked yeah <laughs> so the one last thing I wanted to talk about a little bit um as going into this new year is resolutions mm-hmm. and I know that we already had an entire podcast on resolutions so not you know like I don't want to totally beat a dead horse but you know do bang, it bang do it <laughs> bang bang <laughs> so, so So I was thinking a lot about New Year's resolutions and like the times in my life when I've made them before and things like that. And um, I just want to kind of put this out there that you don't owe anybody to have a certain kind of body. Mm -hmm. Um, Times in the past when I have, you know, made resolutions or gone on diets or, you know, like committed to a different workout routines in order to lose weight. A lot of times really deep down, it wasn't just for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been in some real big, important relationships in my life where I knew deep down that if I gained weight or aged too fast or like, you know, my appearance changed or my abilities changed, that that person would not ever value me the same way. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my behavior sort of circled around wanting to try to keep up this body, you know, like keep the body that I had when we met or, you know, like lose more weight than when, you know, we first met. So I would be more valuable to them or, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and I just, you know, if, if, if you look inside yourself, when you think about your own resolutions, if you're making one, or if you're going to go on a diet or whatever it is, um, it might be worth asking yourself if you're doing it for somebody else. Mm-hmm. because you don't owe that to anyone. You are worthy right now. And the least important thing about you, the least interesting thing about you is how you look. Yes. Um, and so I also want to talk about how, like, I feel like some people might be listening to this and I know for sure, like my ex has said this to my face, like, well, I can't help what I like. I just like what I like. I just, you know, like I've just programmed that way. It's my biology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is a biological aspect to this, but it's not that. Because if you think about the kind of body types that have been attractive throughout history, they are never the same. 
they're constantly changing. Mm-hmm. You know, we went from Kate Moss to Kim Kardashian. Like it's like they're very different. And so you think about these like very high prestige, you know, body types, those are never constant. So there can't really be like an evolutionary component to that. Right. But what is like part of our primitive brain is that we are by nature pack animals like humans cannot and don't survive without the help of other humans. Mm -hmm. And so our greatest, like deepest fear is to be like rejected or to, you know, be left behind or to not be part of the group. And I don't, I don't mean to say that, that we're all ruled just by this, but that's definitely a part of our, our biological makeup. Mm -hmm. And so when we have these like very coveted, body types in our partners, we get a certain amount of like, Hey, nice job. You know, like you snagged, you know, this or that. And you, and, um, and so that's the part that's biological. And so it's very much worth examining that because it doesn't mean that that you're going to change overnight or that you should just go out and date someone that you're not attracted to. But I think noticing it is the really important first Mm -hmm. step. Even if you stay in those relationships with that person that maybe you got into the relationship for, you know, reasons like that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thank you for coming to Kara's Ted talk. (laughs) (laughs) You really, like that could be your thing. You need to apply. (laughs) I was, I really, I, I was really thinking about, especially one, one particular relationship this morning. I was like, you know what? (laughs) Sometimes that'll happen. (laughs) No, it's good. It's all good. I, I, I think I've had similar experiences where I felt like some pressure to keep, keep looking a certain way um, or like offhand comments by people's friends, like, you're too big for him, like that kind of stuff. Yep. So yeah, I definitely know what you're, what you're saying. And I think that that's really worth examining. So thank you for, for sharing that. Cause that's important to think about. Uh, um, okay. So moving on, we are really excited for today's episode because we decided to reach out to our push fitness community members and start addressing some listener questions. Mm -hmm. So we have a few lined up that we're going to go over today. But before we do, I just wanted to say if you are not a part of our push fitness community, it's on Facebook, you can join there. Um, We'll put a link to the group in the show notes. It's open to anybody who wants to be in it, as long as you follow all the guidelines. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, also, if you want to ask us a question and possibly have it answered on our podcast, you can email us those questions at info at thepushfitness.com, or you can even text us at 503-383-1043. So first question, give it to us. First question. Yeah. So these questions are going to be mainly about pregnancy and fitness um, because we are getting ready to launch our pregnancy program soon. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the next couple of weeks, you're going to be hearing lots about that. So we have a question from Kristen and she says, how do I get my core and pelvic floor back in shape for jogging next spring slash summer? 
so glad to be done being pregnant and excited <laughs> for getting back in shape. <laughs> Boy, could I relate to that. Whew. After this last pregnancy, I was like, never again. Factories closed. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. Jill thought that a couple times. I thought that a couple times and <laughs> now I have three kids, but factory is officially closed now. <laughs> but yeah, that is a great question. We actually get um, a lot of questions about running. So this is, this is great. Mm -hmm. um, so first of all, I, I think I, I know Kristen um, sort of like acquaintance wise in it. She's a mother of four. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she's, she's done. And yes. <laughs> she's, <laughs> So the first thing, and I know that this doesn't apply to you now, Kristen, because you are done now, but one of the best things is to start working on your core and pelvic floor during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of our favorite times. It's like practicing, um, you know, training during pregnancy doesn't guarantee you to have a certain kind of birth. It doesn't guarantee you to not have any pelvic floor issues, but you can get a lot of practice during that time, getting to know those inner core muscles um, while mm -hmm. you're being active so that afterwards it's like muscle memory. Yes. Um, so that, that would be the first thing is to kind of do some work during pregnancy if possible. Right now when three other kids and she was also pregnant during the middle of a pandemic, like that's that ship has sailed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. So, so let's talk, let's talk instead now about progressive overload. <laughs> yes. Yes. So especially with um, the postpartum period, there is a lot going on in your body. There's, um, you know, you just had a baby, all of that intra-abdominal pressure that you had from the pregnancy is now gone. You probably have a diastasis. If you don't know what diastasis recti is, it's the thinning of the connective tissue that runs down the center of your abdomen called the linea alba. Um, it stretches and expands to accommodate room for your growing baby. So that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, most folks get it. Mm -hmm. um, so we have that to consider. And so basically, you know, without sounding like it's a hopeless situation, you kind of start from scratch because, <laughs> because mm -hmm. you have a different body now. Mm -hmm. um, you had your, your pre-pregnant body, your pregnant body, and now your postpartum body. And that's a lot of change to go through in one year, mm -hmm. under one year. And so, um, yeah, so just starting from there, yeah, <laughs> we're kind of starting from scratch. So it's sort of like learning to crawl again, to walk, to run. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's really what, what we suggest is as you start getting ready for running, you want to sort of tell those inner core muscles what you want them to do as you're doing some of these reciprocal motions like running and walking. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we do start people sometimes with crawling, mm -hmm. um, because those, some of those, you know, developmental movements can help kind of key in the inner core muscles so that you can teach them what you want them to do as you come up into doing more upright activities and then adding impact. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing is, especially with running and especially with running period yeah. with new moms is that a lot of, a lot of new, like new, new parents will just sort of be like, okay, I'm just going to start running to get in shape because it's something that you can do. You can just step out your door. You can have a stroller. It sort of seems like the easy no brainer thing to do, but what 
what we don't realize is that it's really important to get in shape in order to run. Yes. And what I mean by that is not only strengthening and coordinating those inner core muscles, but also strengthening the muscles in your hips and legs as well, Mm -hmm. um, because there have been so many changes. Mm -hmm. And so doing some strength training is also really important in order to prep your body for that kind of impact. Yes. Yep. So the, you talked about progressive overload briefly and, mm-hmm. um, what, what we mean by that is that it's, it's a progression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're learning the basics and then basically moving up the steps to an explosive movement, like running and don't mm-hmm. get us wrong. Running is an explosive movement just mm-hmm. because it's something that anybody could step out the door and do does not mean that it's not highly impact. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of impact in running highly impactful is what I meant to say. But anyway, um, so yeah, we will, we'll often like, we'll do, we'll do an assessment when people come to see us, we'll do an assessment. We'll ask about, you know, how the pregnancy went, how the delivery went, cause those things can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we always start with breathing and posture. Mm-hmm. Those are always the first two things that we, that we dial in. And then once we get there, then we start moving into more movement, um, reciprocal movement, things like crawling, like maybe half kneeling balance even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can sort of go from there to some lunging or some step ups or maybe some low box jumps or so it's just kind of and also with that timeline of activities, we also like to point out that the progression is not always linear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if at any point, there's pain or a sign or symptom of a pelvic floor dysfunction, then we stop, we reassess and we change course. So that's where having somebody um, like Cara and myself (laughs) could come in handy because we can help um, troubleshoot those things with that wouldn't take the guesswork out of it for you. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's where we would start. Yep. So great question, Kristen. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, so here's the second question that we're going to answer today. So this one is from Kate. And she says, are there any, is there any exercise related? Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything exercise related I could have done before or during my pregnancy to prevent diastasis recti that I ended up with? So this is such a good question because there's so many layers to it mm-hmm. and not just layers of muscle and tissue. Yeah, no, just layers. Exactly. <laughs> so first of all, um, we don't know, mm-hmm. um, because there's so many different reasons that people do get diastasis recti, some of them being just genetics, which you can do nothing about. Right. Um, the fact that like during pregnancy, 99% of pregnant people do get a diastasis because it is very normal. We kind of seem to like fear it, um, Mm -hmm. that we, um, we forget that it's normal because it's like this feared thing. Mm Um, The other thing is that the closing of the diastasis after pregnancy 
is not nearly as important for function. Right. I'm not talking aesthetics now because I know that that's another, that's another layer of this we can talk about. Yes. Um, that, that it's the closing of the diastasis is not as, as important as the ability to generate pressure in mm-hmm. your core. So there are some people who can have a, di- a diastasis that would be considered fairly significant, but are still able to generate a good amount of pressure and their body functions well without having any symptoms. Right. Um, and then there are some people who can't. Right. So, um, so th- there's a lot of nuance there. Now, as somebody, you know, we work a lot with pregnant and postpartum people, and we know that the aesthetic piece is also important because mm-hmm. there is a lot of pressure on, you know, female identifying people to get their body back after the pregnancy to look like they never had a baby. And so, you know, stretchy skin or a wider waist or even like a bulge coming out the middle, like is, is not desirable for most of us. Mm -hmm. And so that's another piece of this. Yeah. And there, so yeah, let's, let's talk about too, like they, is there anything that you could have done to prevent it? Maybe we, Mm -hmm. we don't know that for sure um, because of all the varying factors that Cara presented, but there certainly are um, certain positions for exercises and certain exercises in general that could contribute to mm-hmm. worsening diastasis. Yes. Um, so by the time you reach your second trimester and your belly is starting to grow more and that linea alba is starting to thin and spread, which again is a good thing. We want room for the baby and for your organs to function. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's, that's when we would probably have our clients start to scale back doing um, front-loaded exercises, meaning like like horizontal planking, horizontal push-ups, like uh, front squats, um, heavier lifts if there are pelvic floor dysfunctions present. Um, so that's, or, or to possibly at least alleviate the symptoms of that or prevent it altogether, which we don't know that will guarantee that outcome, mm-hmm. but it's certainly a preventative measure that, that folks can take. So yeah, there, there is some things there that you could avoid during pregnancy and immediately postpartum to mm-hmm. help prevent the worsening <clears throat> of your diastasis, but we don't know for sure that it could have been avoided altogether. Right. And we can go back to that function piece that you can be working on alignment posture, coordination of those inner core muscles during your pregnancy in order to, to have continued function of those muscles after. Mm -hmm. And so um, if we take the aesthetic piece out of it, which can be really hard to do, um, you can work through your pregnancy practicing how to generate the, that, you know, generate that pressure in the core um, to coordinate those pelvic floor contractions with your movements and things like that. So that postpartum, it can be a little bit easier to regain that. Yes. Um, Yes. But aesthetically speaking, um, can we talk a little bit about that? Like what are some, some, some thoughts and, and maybe even options for folks who might need help, not necessarily with the aesthetics piece, but need help with the function piece as well. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. 
So um, there are some people who choose to have surgery. Yep. Um, and sometimes that's for functional reasons. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's for aesthetic reasons. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's for both. And Kara and I are, we, you know, by this point, if you've been listening along, you know where we stand on aesthetic stuff. You know where yep. we're at with that. However, if that is your decision to make, we're not here to judge you for it. Mm-mm. And we, like, having gone through um, a hernia repair and diastasis repair myself, um, we can we can help see you through that process as well. Um, we can I can answer questions from sort of an anecdotal level as well mm-hmm. as having worked with um, with clients and. Um, sort of studied the research behind it, um, we can kind of talk you through what that process might be like as well, Mm -hmm. because, um, it's, um, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and it was weird for myself having a surgery. So I ended up having what's a traditional abdominoplasty in order to do my hernia repair, because based on the research, as an active person who lifts weights and is my body size, um, the mesh and more traditional hernia repair was not going to cover it. In fact, I was told by several doctors that if I wanted to do that, I would have to live at a weight that I knew was unhealthy for my body. That when I, anytime I had been at that weight, I um, had been, pretty unhealthy and had eating disorders. So like, it just wasn't, I knew that that wasn't going to be a possibility. That's not good advice, doc. (laughs) Right. But then the irony that the, the surgery that worked for my body was done by a plastic surgeon who was all about aesthetics was so weird. It was so weird. Um, (laughs) so, um, so, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to that too. So many layers. And, and if you, if you are considering um, the aesthetic piece of, of, of diastasis recti or DR for short, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to some previous episodes of ours mm-hmm. and just kind of lean into why, why that might be. So Kate, thank you for your question. I know that what kind of went all over the place and not necessarily all of it applies to you, but <laughs> hopefully it answered your question. Yes. So we have time for one more. Okay. So last question, this is from Sheila and Sheila is actually um, an OB that we work really closely with um, and just love her. Mm-hmm. She says, what postural alignment and strengthening would be important before and during pregnancy so I can stay less miserable at the end of my pregnancy and postpartum asking for my patients. Yes. <laughs> love this question. Yes. Yeah, so there's, there's so many things. Um, I would say that we always start with the breath. Mm-hmm. So the reason the breath is really important is because the diaphragm is our big breathing muscle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor are very synced up. They work in, in connection with one another. So we can sort of harness the use of the breath in order to get the pelvic floor to contract and relax the way we want it to. Yes. And just, I say that like, oh yeah, you just do it. Can, <laughs> yeah, no problem. Can I tell you for a second <laughs> that it is not that easy? No. If our posture 
is sort of is has changed drastically or if we have been taught like in a, so many fitness classes for so long we're teaching the breath wrong yep and so if you've taken a lot of like group fitness classes in big gyms for the last 10 years i can almost guarantee you you've had somebody who has good intentions teach you how to breathe wrong. Or if you trained with us like 10, 15 years ago. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that. But we <laughs> second, yeah. I will. So, but here's the thing, like we know better. So we do better. The reason we even know this about the breath and how the diaphragm and the pelvic floor are supposed to work together is because we can see inside the body while someone's breathing now where we couldn't do that for a long time. So, so a lot of times, a lot of times, even very well-intentioned fitness professionals have been teaching this breath wrong. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it might not come as naturally as I say, (laughs) which is why you practice it and you start there, you get better at it. And then you start playing around with posture. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like what are my ribs doing? What are my hips doing? Where's the weight in my feet? Um, how does that affect how my core is functioning? And, um, we're not like, it'd be real easy to say you want to always be in this perfect posture all the time. And that is not what we're saying. No, I think it's important to have variability in your posture. Um, cause that's just life. Yes. Um, but can we get you into a place that's more optimal or where you could feel your pelvic floor working? Yeah. We call that your version of neutral mm-hmm. because there is no, there is no perfect posture for every single person. So it's important to keep that in mind, what works best for your body. So I typically, and it's, it's different for every person, but typically how we cue posture is um, the simple way to say it is bringing the rib cage over the hips. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it sits the rib cage over the hips So the hips um, will, the tailbone will be slightly untucked. And what that does is it, creates full access to your inner core muscles and your pelvic floor muscles to function and fire the way that will be most helpful for your body. Um, And so during pregnancy, it's not always easy to achieve that because you've got a baby that's pushing your ribs out. (laughs) Right. You've got rib cage flaring up and out. And so, you know, practicing that during pregnancy might be a little bit more difficult, but there might be, there might be a little nuance in that position that works better for you and your Mm -hmm. body. So, um, yeah, that, that's a good place to start. And then as far as strengthening, uh, postural muscles and, and muscles in general for, uh, combating aches and pains, the, uh, the upper back, Uh the glutes, glutes, the glutes, yep. the glutes and the glutes. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Your butt and your pelvic floor are like besties. Yes. So, um, so yeah, so getting really strong. If you train with us, uh, you probably have sent us a text messages at some point where you're like, my butt is really sore. Yep. <laughs> and that is um, because we really go after it in order to help support all of those postural muscles there. So, um, so yeah, so that's a great question. And, um, if if, remember, if you have a question that you want us to answer, go ahead and join the, um, push fitness community group on Facebook and, uh, let us, let us know what you think. Yes. 
And that's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the Push podcast, make sure that you hit that subscribe button, leave us a review. The more reviews and subscribes we get, the more visibility we get so that we can reach more listeners just like you. Thanks so much. Have a good new year. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. We're done. (laughs)